Have you noticed all the UFOs that the US has been shooting down recently? <laughs> Started with the Chinese spy balloon, and we spent, you know, we took a multi-million dollar F-22 Raptor and a, who knows how much the Sidewinder missiles cost a piece, 100,000 bucks, all to shoot down a balloon, which is kind of, it's kind of ironic and funny to me. Then we had like every day after that, we have another UFO somewhere over the US that we shoot down. And some of them, I think, all of them probably just balloons, but uh, who knows, you know, it's interesting. Some of them they say might be balloons for private research associations or weather organizations or just hobbyists, but you know, it's not a good time to go hot air ballooning right now if that's your hobby. Uh, might want to just stay grounded for a while. They were UFOs in the true sense of the word, unidentified flying objects, but were they extraterrestrial? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Fangs and Folklore here in the studios in the basement of the abandoned castle in the middle of the haunted forest. <laughs> I am your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster, paranormal, and horror. I'm a horror writer from the haunted swamps in Louisiana, South Louisiana. And welcome to my frightening world. Uh, I have uh, books published on Amazon that I'd like to flash up for you here. Uh, it's a six-part series. The first one is called Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's the Gravedigger series. The Gravediggers are a failing punk rock band with no musical talent whatsoever who keep crossing paths with monsters, vampires, zombies, werewolves, all sorts of creepy things. It's horror comedy. It's super entertaining, and they're all available uh, for Kindle, um, you know, ebook, in paperback, and on audiobook. And very soon, they will be available as special hardcover full, full color editions also. So please check those out. Let me know what you think. <clears throat> I had to look up the statistics here. There are estimated 10 to the 30th power planets in the universe, we estimate. That's a 10 with 30 zeros after it. I don't even know how that number would be pronounced. There's probably not even a word for it. A Zilla Gilla Gilligan or something? Uh, I don't think it does have a pronunciation. Just scientific notation. That's based on what we currently know and our extrapolations. There could be, I guess, in, ex exponentially more. You know, I mean, the universe could be infinite. With at least, uh, you know, at least 10 to the 30 planets in our universe, and are there multiple universes? Some scientists think so. That would make it even more. I asked this question. Um, assuming the Earth's creation and evolution follows the normal laws of physics, as it had developed, is it reason to believe that our planet is the only one with life on it in the entire universe? I think it's actually unreasonable to believe such a thing. It seems statistically so impossible, right, that we would be the only life forms in this huge, vast, maybe infinite universe, maybe multiverses, with so many other planets, so many of which we know uh, are, are uh, suitable for life, water, warm, atmosphere, and so forth. Now, um, there's so much we could say about UFOs that I'm going to divide this into a little mini-series for Fangs and Folklore. Uh, on the first episode here, we'll call, it, we'll call this series Fangs and Folklore, Alien, make it sound good. I want to talk about some cases of UFOs and alien sightings, possibly, and look at some photos, a couple of videos, see what you think. So get your space suit on, get in the cockpit, and let's take off. Let me flash the fair use uh, clause text here that I, I want to say some of the videos uh, that I use in this episode are from other sources, copyrighted sources. However, remember that there is a fair use clause in the copyright law that states that for all sorts of things like review, uh, analysis, uh, teaching, all sorts of different uh, 
uh, reasons why it is okay to use some copyrighted material, snippets of it, excerpts of it. None of the videos here are full videos, they're all excerpts, and they are absolutely legal for me to use in this podcast. Remember, it is a crime to falsely report copyright violations, and that will be uh, followed up on, so please don't do that. UFO, it stands for Unidentified Flying Object. Unidentified Flying Object, you probably knew that. Originally, it just meant anything flying around in the sky that you couldn't look at and identify, right? Anything, like a balloon, if you didn't know it was a balloon, was a UFO. It didn't have to be life from another planet, but over time, over the years, that the, the term took more and more on the meaning of extraterrestrial spaceships, so to speak. So today, a lot of people refer to them as UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Remember, phenomenon is the singular, phenomena is the plural. For our purposes here, of course, we are talking about the possibility of aliens from other planets, other places in the universe, flying to Earth in spaceships. After all, we are fangs in folklore, and that's what we do. So, let's start with the OG of UFOs and aliens, the Roswell incident. You've probably heard about this. Roswell, New Mexico. So, late June 1947, there start to be reports of uh, flying disks in the sky. Now, just in general, not just in Roswell, but in general, there was like a media frenzy of UFO reports all over the country. Uh, flying disks. And um, there were, uh, after July 4th of that year, 1947, there were just a ton of reports that came in. And then um, they kind of dissolved and became less over the next few, uh, I guess the next year or so. So that's the context we're talking about. Now on Saturday, July 5th, 1947, a rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel, 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 made it, uh, uh, he went to town because he had no radio and uh, had no way to communicate. This was in 1947. And uh, he was not aware of the uh, flying saucer craze because he apparently didn't, didn't have a TV or a radio. And so he uh, had seen in one of his fields, his ranch fields, some debris. It had been uh, like three weeks earlier than the time he went into town. I guess, he, you know, as a rancher, you go into town for supplies once in a while. He had found tinfoil, rubber, wooden beams, they'd scat been scattered across about a square mile of his ranch. And he had just kind of pushed it aside. I mean, you know, he thought, just, I can imagine a practical rancher like, what is this? You know, it's in the way, just push it in the bushes. But he had heard then, when he went into town, about these stories of silver flying disks. And he said, wait a minute, maybe I should take another look at this stuff that, f that fell in my field. So he got the debris out, called the police. Uh, the police took a look and then called the Roswell Army Airfield because it's an airfield, and so he, I guess the cops thinking, the sheriff's thinking, you know, something from the sky, we're next to an army base, maybe they should be told about it. So they go and they take a look. And then um, um, Major Jesse Marcel, he is uh, an army major who uh, went to retrieve the debris, took it back to his commander, Colonel William Blanchard, or as we might say in French, Blanchard, because I also speak French. So, uh, so Blanchard... Blanchard reports the finding to General Roger Ramey at Fort, Fort Worth Army Airfield. So a general now knows about it. So they fly the materials out in a B-29 Super Fortress, and they take a look at them, and they examine them. And what's weird about this is that the Army puts out a press release saying it was a flying saucer. It's rare for the Army to put out press releases about anything, right? Especially stuff like this you'd imagine might be classified. But they did put out a press release and said, yeah, it was a flying saucer. Um, it created a, you know, a media storm and people got all worked up. The army later recanted that. They later went back and said, actually, it was just a weather balloon. Um, and 
What's interesting is some witnesses who saw the, the crashed material, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, the word starts spreading, a bunch of people went to the ranch. They insisted that they saw the bodies of little men with giant bulbous heads, way too small to be human. And people speculated, well, were those aliens, were those life forms from other planets that had flown a ship into uh, the Earth's atmosphere and had crashed somehow? There were dead bodies, according to the witnesses. Um, so that's the original, the OG of sightings. And it kind of just left it that. A lot of people forgot about it for about 30 years. And then uh, another army major uh, uh, claimed that, no, he had seen it. And indeed, it was aliens. So, and we'll talk about Area 51. You might be connecting those two facts. Area 51, the secret base, air base, which we'll, we'll deal with that in another episode because it's very interesting. There have been many uh, cases of UFO sightings that the U.S. government has taken seriously. And there's a map I'm going to show you here of all the, uh, the different um, incidences, incidents and locations of um, UFO sightings that the government has taken seriously. Just want to touch upon a couple here that are more famous. You may have heard of Skinwalker Ranch, and the name itself is creepy, by the way. It's in Utah. And Skinwalker is a Native American uh, lore, myth, about people who turn into animals and things like that. Some are malevolent, some are benevolent. Anyway, the name's just creepy, Skinwalker Ranch. And so, um, apparently, in the, this place is just a UFO magnet. In the 60s and 70s, there was a ton of uh, UFO sightings in Utah, and then... Uh, uh, the people who, the guy who owned the ranch at the, at the time claimed that all, all the time UFOs were flying around the ranch. And there were also cattle mutilations. You may have heard about this where, where cattle, cows, are found um, dead. But not just dead, but they have weird like a hole in their neck and all the blood and organs are missing. They're like a dried husk. We'll, talk, we'll get into that too later um, in the series. But uh, a lot of those happen at Skinwalker Ranch. There are also electromagnetic weirdness. Uh, there now, if you remember in the ghost hunting episode of this uh, Fangs and Folklore that I recently did, uh, everything has electromagnetic field and they vary all the time. And so I don't put much stock in electromagnetic variations as evidence of the paranormal or supernatural. But there was that there. Um, so um, a man named Brandon Fugel uh, bought the ranch, and uh, and at first he wanted to be secret. He said he acquired the property from Robert Bigelow to conduct scientific research to see if there was indeed paranormal activity on Skinwalker Ranch. And he basically goes, and one of the first days he's there, he looks up in the sky and there's a UFO in broad daylight hovering above the ranch. So he's convinced, he's hooked immediately, right? All sorts of weird stuff. All right, so Skinwalker Ranch is something that the government has taken seriously. Cattle mutilations, UFO sightings, and other phenomena, the, the, uh, uh, this guy Fugel says. Okay. Little men, you may have heard the phrase little green men, uh, or just little men. And boy, the story behind that mythology is fascinating. In, on August 21st, 1955, there's a big family who lives out in the country named the Suttons. And they don't have radio, they don't have TV. You know, this is 1955, you imagine most people didn't. So they go into town in Hopkinsville in, uh, in Kentucky just kind of like frantic and terrified and just out of their minds. And they tell the cops that these beings from another world landed on their farm and started terrorizing them. And they said, uh, this is the weirdest account. They said there were, there, there were about a dozen of them in this family. They said the event lasted for several hours. And so basically it, they lived in Kelly, Kentucky. 
they had a three-room house. They didn't even have running water, so they didn't have telephone, TV, uh, even books. They're kind of, I mean, I don't know who they were. I'm, I don't mean to disparage them, but you imagine people living out in that kind of, kind of situation. 1955 might go a little stir-crazy. So, but they had a farm. So uh, they, the, the police said they arrived at 11 p.m. at the station, looked just terrified. And so here's the account they gave. They said 7 p.m. on a Sunday evening, their family friend, Billy Ray Taylor, was visiting. And he saw a silvery object uh, in the sky. He said, he said, quote, real bright with an exhaust, all the colors of the rainbow, close quote. He said it passed over the house, stopped midair, just hovering, and then dropped straight to the ground, like fast, weird. Then um, he and his wife were visiting. He said that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, they all, they kind of laughed off his account. He went back to the house, told them what he saw. They call kind of, ha ha, you know, he's just joking with us. But then their dog starts barking incessantly. And so two of the Suttons go to the back door and they see this weird glow. And from the glow, they said, came a small humanoid creature. They say it was about three and a half feet tall. It had, quote, an oversized head, almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground. Its hands had talons and its oversized, oversized eyes glowed with a yellowish light, close quote. And they said that the body glimmered like, quote, silver metal, close quote. That's a creepy creature. Imagine this short thing with long arms with talons dragging on the ground, a giant bulbous head. It sounds like something out of a horror video game, right? Uh, so they grab a shotgun and a rifle and they shoot at it. Um, they said they shot at it. They don't know if they hit it. It did a flip, like flipped around and it just ran away. Uh, then they said one of these creatures was peering through a window. So they shot through the window. They didn't hit it. Apparently it did another flip and disappeared. Uh, then it says, quote, I went out in the hallway. This is, uh, this is one of them. I don't know which one quote. I went out in the hallway, crouched down next to Billy. When I saw one approaching the door, close quote, uh, described it this way. Open quote. It looked like a five gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator close quote so these these were little metallic men they looked silver and metallic now one of them uh, a man a tailor Sutton steps outside they have an overhanging roof on the porch like you can imagine like all those houses uh, and this claw reaches down from the roof and grabs his hair that's just really disturbing uh, he screams the everyone else screams they pull him back back into the house and um, and then they see another creature just like these who's climbed a tree and is looking at them from a tree. And they say that this went on for hours, uh, scratches on the roof, walking on the roof, creatures looking in the window. And then they decide at 11 p.m., they say, let's get the hell out of here. So they make a dash for the car and drive to the police station. Um, the police never found proof, but the police did note that they were very convincing because they said these aren't the kind of people to make up a crazy story like this. They're just down-to-earth, plain, straight-speaking farmers, you know, who, who don't, aren't, aren't interested in that kind of thing. And he said they looked so terrified uh, that it, he took them seriously. Uh, again, no evidence, uh, no proof, put it that way, but uh, that was their claim. And this is the origin of the little men uh, trope. All right, next you may have heard of George Adamski. He remains, he is one of the, uh, one of the most controversial UFO people in history. He claimed that he had multiple UFO sightings and alien interactions all the time. This is in the late 1940s. He took a lot of pictures, photos of things he said were UFOs, which I'm going to show you in a little bit, see what you think. 
Some of them were long cylinders with light. Some of them were flying, literally saucers, right? They looked like saucers. Um, he, uh, he went off the deep end, kind of. In 1952, he wrote a book that said he had met with a, an alien from Venus, the planet Venus, in the desert, and that the thing had had mental telepathy, telepathy and they had, um, they had communicated with their minds. And uh, he wrote some books, and he, he argued that the Venusians, <laughs> that they, uh, they took him inside their ships, and uh, he met with different ones, and he said there was one uh, thousand-year-old wise, wise man, wise Venusian, who uh, is called the Master, who taught him all sorts of secrets about the universe, and um, he wasn't allowed to say all of them back on Earth. Uh, he became quite famous and actually met Queen Juliana of the time of the Netherlands, <laughs> invited him to her palace, and then he claimed that he met with the Pope in secret also. Who knows? Um, yeah, so he kind of developed a cult following. Now, uh, if you know the uh, Arthur C. Clarke, who uh, wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey and a lot of books about this stuff, he said he was an absolute nutcase and that he was, he was, he was all fake. Uh, let's see what you think some of these photos. The reason I brought up Adamski is not only because he's so famous, but because he took these weird photos and published them. So let's take a look at these. Um, uh, a couple of these look like long, like cigar-shaped objects. That's one of the uh, descriptions of UFOs, that of, of spa alien spaceships, supposedly, that many people who've seen them have given cigar-shaped. Then another, um, another shape is the, the saucer or the disc, which he had some of those too. I'm going to show you a picture of Adamski himself. Um, so those are some of his photographs. Now, to me, the cigar-shaped things are kind of intriguing. The saucer, I don't know. It looks like it could be some kind of a metal ornament or something flipped on its side. But then again, again, these photos are taken in the, in the what, the 40s, 50s. So it's not like there's great high-resolution photography at the time. Uh, so you can see that reflected in the photos. We just don't know. How are you going to know? In terms of Venus... Um, uh, we, we've been to the surface of Venus once, and uh, Russians, the Soviets, sent an unmanned spaceship to the surface of Venus. Incredibly hot, harsh atmosphere, poisonous gases. The spaceship went dead after like a few minutes. Now, if there are life forms on Venus, and if they're intelligent, then they would have to have, be some kind of other life form, right, to be able to survive in that uh, environment. We know on Earth there are bacteria that can survive in all sorts of harsh environments. They've evolved that way. They can survive in extreme heat, extreme acid, extreme cold, extreme salt, which usually kills most bacteria and so forth. So is it possible that some other life form has developed and evolved a way to exist on the planet Venus? It's entirely possible. Uh, I'm not going to say there's proof of it, but it's not. I mean, it's possible, biologically speaking. All right, let's take a look at some more uh, stuff here. So what I want to do is finish out this episode with some video, UFO videos. Um, I, I chose the best, uh, one, two, technically five of them. One of them is a three-part video, but technically five different sightings that I think are some of the best that, are, that you have online. Some of the photos and videos of UFOs are clearly fake. Some of them are hoaxes. Some of them are just jokes. Some of them are guys in alien suits and it's done like a comedy routine. But these are, I think, some of the best. So the first one I'm going to show you, February 2020, so fairly recently, a pilot flying an Airbus A320 over Colombia, over the city of uh, Medellin, which is the second largest city, uh, second to Bogota in Colombia. He was around 30,000 feet because he he shows he looks down at the altimeter to show to you know to record his height. So he sees this UFO flying across the clouds, and it looks metallic, 
And when it's zoomed in on, it looks kind of like a cube, like a metallic cube. And it's flying in ways that don't seem uh, that natural, I guess, uh, you know. And um, 30,000 feet is very high for anything. Now, the uh, balloon, so, uh, some of these balloons we've shot down recently have been in that, uh, that level of the atmosphere. This one, though, is metallic, it seems like. And it's flying around, and it looks like a cube. So that's really weird. What do you think about that? Uh, next, we have this guy in the UK. Um, he's filming this weird thing. It acts like an aerial stuntman. Imagine like a, um, a stunt pilot doing loops and tricks and stuff. Or here in Louisiana, we have a lot of crop dusting planes for our, for our uh, fields, our uh, sugar cane and so forth. They, you know, they do pesticides and they kind of do these, these aerial maneuvers because of the closeness of the fields. They have to be very good at aerial maneuvers. But it seems to be extreme doing like extreme stunts but it doesn't it certainly doesn't look like an airplane because i don't know any airplane that could do those kind of flips and movements that quickly and and tightly uh it looks you know from, it's hard to tell how large it is but it, it's got to be really big from the perspective just kind of estimate how far we are and so forth he's filming it from the ground and it has this weird trail of like smoke or fire or something um really weird uh it looks like it could be bigger than a commercial jet, but the movement, the maneuvering is quite advanced and agile, so that's really weird. Next video is three parts. It's gonna show you start off with uh, a, a scene from Mexico, uh, filming some lights in the sky, uh, or a light in the sky, then one from India with different lights in the sky. One of them falls down behind some, some forest. And then we have one from NASA, where they're doing some uh, live feed from the space shuttle in the you know in orbit Earth's atmosphere well in space in orbit, and they see something that weirds them out kind of and that's NASA. So just take a look. This video is not too long. Take a look and see what you think. That is so cool. We're seeing three or four objects. Uh, can, you, can you confirm that it's just the one that's actually moving? The other ones are just reflect reflections. Now there are uh, there are three objects. The one you see, you see two rings right there. They're the ones we kind of had the late tally ho on. All right. So to me, the Mexico one is intriguing. The NASA one is intriguing. India possibly could be flares. If you ever seen um, like a, a military aircraft, they have flares behind them. And what happens if you have a heat-seeking missile? Uh, those flares shoot out behind it, and, and the missile. What you hope will happen is the missile will go after the flare instead of your airplane. Some, when flares are, are shot out of a, of a military plane, they, they look like they're hanging in the sky. They do for a little while. Then they start to fall slowly. And sometimes, because the plane is letting them out at, at uh, regular intervals, they look like a pattern. Some people say the famous Phoenix Lights, which we'll deal with later, were actually airplane flares. Uh, the one from India, possibly flares, is still intriguing. But the other two, I'm just not sure about. So those are some interesting photos and videos. Like I said, there's so much that could be said about UFOs. Um, this introductory um, episode is uh, a little shorter than what we usually do, but we're going to be looking at some things in the series, like the, the Phoenix Lights, uh, the, the alien autopsy video, which in and of itself is fascinating and weird, uh, and some other sightings. And then we're going to, of course, finish it out like we do on Fangs and Folklore by kind of thinking about what this all could mean, what could it be, looking in depth. I'd ask you, do you think it's possible that life exists on other planets? I do. I think it's likely. Now, it may not be the life that we know. It may not be human beings. It may be some other form of life. But I think we could argue that, that it's reasonable that life exists on other planets. 
Now, the question is, if that life exists, is it intelligent? Is it sentient and intelligent? A bacteria is not intelligent and sentient, but humans are, right, and some animals. Um, primates, a lot of them are can be self-aware. Remember Coco the gorilla? So uh, if they are intelligent, have they traveled to Earth? Now, with our technology, it would take us more than a lifetime to travel just to the closest planet that might have light and, uh, life in it. We haven't even made it to Mars yet, though I think we will soon. But remember how vast space is. You'd be have to travel. You have to travel near the speed of light just to get anywhere, unless there's some other theories about wormholes, which we'll take a look at. But maybe there's a technology aliens have that we just don't have. It's certainly possible. I mean, if you would go back to the the Middle Ages and tell people that we fly around on airplanes at thirty to fifty thousand feet in the sky, they would say no, that's impossible. Because to them it was. So to us, maybe something seems impossible just because we don't know yet what it's about. If there are aliens visiting the Earth, are they friendly? Are they just exploring? Or are they hostile? Take a look at that. Also, we'll examine that. What do you think? Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave your comments below. Please like and subscribe to Fangs and Folklore. It really helps me a lot. We're getting closer to the point where we can uh, monetize the channel. You need a th at least 1,000 subscribers. We have 582 right now, I think. So I'd appreciate it if you subscribe and like. If you uh, are listening on Podbean or any other fine podcasting site, you can uh, email me at um, matthew.miller.writer at gmail.com. I'll flash it on the screen. Matthew.miller.writer, two T's in Matthew, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So uh, think about that. Tonight, maybe if you're taking a walk at night, look up at the sky and you know see what you see. Do you see anything flying around up there? If so, um, I don't know. might want to be careful. Thanks for listening and watching, and as always, sleep well if you can.